Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information, the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick, before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching. These two programs will help you take the gas and stress out of period recovery or period maintenance. These are the go-to programs to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone, restore your fertility, and if you've already got your period back, help you maintain your period for life. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized, structured plan with food and exercise recommendations to get your period back, restore your fertility, and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutrition.com backslash programs dash overview. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Period Recovery Podcast. Today I have with me one of my former clients, Julia, and I am so excited to have her here today because we haven't talked, oh my gosh, well, we've been keeping in touch, but we haven't talked like face-to-face in quite some time, and lots, lots, lots has changed for Julia since I've chatted with her face-to-face last, so I want to welcome Julia to the Period Recovery Podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. It's really nice, yeah, to see you and be able to chat again. Absolutely. And when you were a client of mine, I had no idea that I would ever be starting a podcast, but I'm so excited I did because not only does it give me an opportunity to, you know, share and hopefully inspire um, women across the world by your stories and other professionals and myself having beyond the uh, podcast, but I get to catch up with my past clients who I just absolutely love you. I love all of them. And I pinch myself multiple times a day thinking like I get to be really impactful on someone's life and, you know, be able to see them through their journey and then see them post recovery. And it's just so awesome. So I want to also thank you, Julia, for taking the time to come chat with me today because Julia is a very busy mom of one little girl who is three months old. And Julia is uh, still on maternity leave, but when she's not on maternity leave, she is a healthcare social worker, an outdoor enthusiast, chocolate lover. So Julia, let's start, I guess let's start at the beginning. So everyone already knows your outcome of having a baby, but let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about when did you lose your period? When did you know it was a problem? Um, So just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. And I'll just advance warning. This is probably going to be a really long answer because I don't actually know when exactly I lost my period. I 
went on birth control probably, I was probably around age 20. Honestly, I don't really remember, but it was many, many years ago. And honestly, right around the same time that I had started birth control, I was also going through just a really tough season of life, very depressed. I don't, and I, I know some people, birth control affects their mood. I don't think that was like the reason, but it might have been a contributing factor. Um, but just going through a lot of hard stuff, you know, a breakup, the loss of my grandmother, graduating college. I was working an overnight job. So like my sleep was poor. I wasn't really seeing my friends and family because our schedules were opposite. Um, so just going through a really hard time. And I decided, you know, what might make me feel better is if I lost some weight, you know, feel better about myself. So around that time, I went on a diet, which, you know, pretty quickly became obsessive calorie counting, um, restriction, disordered eating, lost kind of a lot of weight pretty quickly. No one really, you know, had any concerns at that time. I was actually getting positive feedback, you know, oh, you lost weight. You look good lately. So obviously that fueled the fire, kept going, lost some more weight. No surprises there. It did not help my depression. It made it worse, um, you know, kind of spiraling into some disordered eating. Thankfully, from there, I sort of realized, you know, my depression has not improved. And now I have this eating disorder on top of it. I need to do something to improve. I did see a therapist. I did work through that, put on a little bit more weight. But from there, decided, you know, what I really need is just to get healthy, you know, not restrict, not lose weight, but get healthy. Um, so I, I need to focus more on my exercise and like the quality of food I'm eating. And again, my, <laughs> my personality, um, that quickly also became obsessive where I was just now focusing on exercising every single day, no rest days, you know, still counting calories. I was, I, in my mind thought it was better cause I wasn't restricting so much, but it was still like obsessed with what am I eating? When am I eating? Is this, am I burning off what I'm eating to maintain this, you know, healthy lifestyle? And so this was all going on for a few years, you know, so it started off with restriction and some weight loss and then turned into obsession with fitness and exercise all to really like try to improve my health physically and mentally obviously kind of had the opposite impact. But throughout that whole time, I was on birth control. So I never really thought about my period, you know, because for listeners who maybe don't know, birth control masks your period. It gives you sort of a fake period. And so I was on the pill for a long time getting a fake period. Eventually, I switched to an IUD. And so I wasn't getting a period at all on that. But that's normal on that birth control I was on. So that whole time, I wasn't really thinking about it until I went off of birth control when I wanted to conceive. But that was after like 12 or 13 years of being on birth control. And obviously, with the way I was living that whole time, I could have lost my period any time. I could have been right from the start. It could have been, I don't even know. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all that, Julia. And so you came off the pill. Obviously, there was not a period to be found. 
And what did doctors say? Like when you went to the doctor, were you like, uh, what do I do? You know, what, what did doctors say to you? Yeah. Um, great question. <laughs> yeah. I went off birth control trying to conceive. Obviously my period did not come. My doctor told me, give it three months. Um, if it still doesn't, you know, show up, then, then come back and then we'll, we'll deal with it. That didn't really sit right with me. I was like, uh, I don't know. That doesn't, still doesn't really sound right. I feel like I should get my period back before three months, but that's what the doctor said. So I was kind of waiting in limbo. Um, not really happy because I did want to conceive. During that time, I did start to do some of my own research, like reasons a woman wouldn't have a menstrual cycle, right? Because again, it it had been so long, I couldn't even remember if my cycles were regular before. Like, you know, I was basically a, a teenager because my doctor had even asked me, like, well, did you always have a regular periods? And I was like, I don't, not really. It was never missing, but I wasn't tracking it at the time. So I started doing some of my own research. I did come across a blog post by Dr. Rinaldi, who's now Dr. Sykes, um, about hypothalamic amenorrhea, HA. That's okay. I say hypothalamic amenorrhea. <laughs> yeah. I, Here, I, I say HA. So like, right. HA. Let's just call it HA. Yeah. So I came across a blog post and like a video about it. And I was like, okay, this sounds like this might be something because everything else I read like did not fit with my description. Like PCOS did not fit with my description. Like nothing else really made sense. And I was like, but I also didn't really want to acknowledge that. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something to this, but maybe, maybe my period will just come back in three months. Like the doctor said, maybe there's nothing really wrong. So I sort of had it in the back of my mind during that three month waiting period for the doctor to, you know, give me next steps. But I didn't really want to make any changes until I knew for sure, you know, that this was what I was dealing with. I bought the book, No Period, Now What? I read through that and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being called out. Like this is really <laughs> um, resonating with me. But I still was like, let me wait to see what the doctor says. Three months go by, still no period, go to the doctor. And I asked her about HA. I said, do you think this might be what it is? And she just said, I really don't know anything about that, but I have no problem giving you a referral to IVF. That was the end of the appointment. So, well, I I want to say, yeah, basically it was like, well, at least she said, I am really excited to hear that. At least she said like, um, I don't know anything about that, but here's a referral. Not the referral you <laughs> really wanted or needed because you weren't at that point of pursuing IVF, um, but at least she admitted like, no, you know, I've had other clients say like the doctors call their patients like crazy because of what they're trying to share the information with them. So, so good, but good, but bad outcome. Um, but I want to ask you this, Julia. So when you kind of started exploring yourself, first of all, you trusted your intuition. I think a lot of us, because we're so disconnected with our body, sometimes we, really fail to know that we actually have this inner intuition, but it's sometimes hard to really access because we're so underfueled and we're just like mindset driven on our bodies and 
maybe what's what's going on with us. But you were like, nah, this doesn't sound right. Like, despite how underfueled you were, you're like, this doesn't sound right. So, you know, if you are listening to this and you're feeling the same way, trust that, that inner intuition. And so now, flash forward, you started to research and found some things that fit you, but you still... And, and I don't want to say like you still didn't do anything about it, but like you were still waiting for almost like validation from the doctor or some kind of permission. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. I, part of it was like, I did not want to admit that this was really like what was causing my, like my lifestyle, my healthy lifestyle is potentially causing me to not have a menstrual cycle and not be able to get pregnant. I really needed like external validation, like somebody give me like a diagnosis so I know what to do next, right? Even though, again, like I was reading into it and I was like, and even reading into it though, I was like, but I'm not, I'm not that bad, right? It's not that extreme for me. Maybe if I do have this HA, maybe it's just like a mild case. Like I was pretty much trying to convince myself that it was not really an issue. I started thinking like, well, maybe maybe I need to exercise a little bit less. But even that, it's like laughable now that I think back to what I did. I was, I was still exercising every day. Um, maybe like I dialed down my intensity by like one notch. And like I, I was still like counting all my calories, like still making no mental changes until somebody could like tell me for sure, like this is the issue and this is what you need to do. And I just, it was hard for me to accept that because I did not want to change my lifestyle at that point. But I will say the day I went to the doctor and she did not give me the diagnosis, like she did not tell me what I wanted. She just said, I'll send you to IVF. And I was like, that's not what I wanted. During that time when I was doing research and I kind of read the No Period Now What book and, you know, when you're researching things, your phone and your computer kind of know that and they'll send you similar stuff. I actually found your Instagram it had come up because there's not a ton of information about HA out there. Like there's more than there used to be, but there's still not a ton. Um, but your Instagram had come up. And so that day, I think, is when I had reached out to you to be like, okay, maybe maybe you can give me some guidance. And I remember our first conversation. Um, you still did not give me a diagnosis, which, you know, is ethically professional. Um, but you were like, you basically put a mirror up to me and you was like, you pretty much know what you're going through. This sounds like a classic HA case. And I am very confident that like going through this recovery process will work for you. And so that was sort of like my push to be like, I've got to do something. Yeah. And, and I guess what finally gave you, because I think a lot of women struggle with like, well, my doctor is not telling me this is what I have. So for you was like, all right, I am going to trust another medical professional who isn't a doctor, but is, you know, a registered dietitian. What kind of made you be like, you know what, forget it. I don't need the doctor's official diagnosis to be able to help myself. Right. Well, I mean, a couple of things. I think I, I do have the benefit of working in healthcare. I'm a social worker, so I'm not, I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but I do work in healthcare. I work in a health clinic. And I have for nearly a decade now working in different health settings. And so I kind of know how like doctor's offices work and how diagnoses work. And 
I think that in general, a lot of the time we don't give ourselves enough credit to know, like you said, about our bodies and ourselves when really I know that doctors are medical experts. They absolutely are. But I do believe we are sort of the experts on our own bodies. And if, you know, we're not feeling validated about our symptoms, which this happened to me with my period, but I had gone through similar things in the past as far as like anxiety goes or like sleep issues go sort of the doctor saying like, well, you know, it's not this issue. So good luck. And like, well, that still didn't resolve the problem. And like being, you know, I, I feel like there's always got to be some sort of cause, right? I want to I wanna find the cause to resolve the problem <laughs> rather than just say like, well, I mean, maybe it'll go away on its own or maybe you can, you know, do IVF or whatever the step is. So yeah, I think, again, just the benefit of kind of working in healthcare and sort of, like you said, sort of having that intuition or that perspective of being able to like trust like, okay, I know my symptoms and I don't think that this is right. So I've got to, I've got to keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you shared that, Julia, about like, you know, medical doctors, they are, they're very intelligent they are medical doctors. They know lots of lots about medical stuff and medicine, but we truly know our bodies best. And we don't always need a doctor to validate us. But I also think too, you know, we might be used to or want external validation because for so long in our life, we really depended on the external validation of like what to do next. Um, I mean, I know for me, you know, back in the day before I was recovered, I would always be asking somebody else like, oh, do you think I should do this? Or do you think I should do that? So, you know, I, I think it's not only a, you know, thing that we've dealt with, but um, also, you know, a generational thing where it's like the doctor knows everything. You know, if my doctor says it, then my doctor knows everything. That isn't the case. And again, there's nothing against doctors and what they do. But, no, but they're still humans too. And the, you know, extent of their training is limited too. And especially, again, our healthcare system, it's doctors are trained in medicine, typically not, not food. And so if this is like a disorder that's mostly food or exercise related, they might not know as much because they, they weren't trained in that. And, you know, that's not to their fault, but it's not necessarily going to give you the answer that you need. <laughs> Absolutely. And who would have thought that Instagram could be such a valuable resource, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. I know. Started out as, yeah, started out as, you know, an app that, you know, you just posted like random photos of you out doing stuff with your friends or whatever, turning into a place where you can find some really amazing healthcare practitioners with some really awesome, very uh, direct specialty um, area. So that's awesome. And one thing I do want to say, Julia, aside from, you know, needing that validation from the doctor, but then finally saying, you know what, forget that. Like, I don't, I know my body best. And this is what feels right to me right now is to, you know, seek help um, from a specialty area that could help me with what's going on. But I want to say, you know, I think a lot of us are caught up. I know at one point I was caught up in it where we're doing all these healthy things for our bodies, calorie counting, or so what we think is healthy at the time. We get into this place where it's so hard to give up, not only because we've worked so hard and sacrificed so much, 
Um, but it's also so normalized in our culture, which makes it a lot harder to do. And so I want to know for you, Julia. So you decided to work with me in a group coaching format. How was, you know, I just want to talk about community, not so much about my group coaching, but you had a community of other women going through the same exact thing. How much more did that help versus like going at it alone, would you say? Oh my God. Honestly, it was huge. It was probably, if not the biggest, like help for me in recovery, which is kind of interesting for for me to say, because I'm honestly more of like an introverted person, I tend to like to do things on my own. Like I'm, I'm very independent. And I'm like, I can figure it out. I can do it. Like, that's, that's honestly, like my personality. But having a group of other women who were going through the same thing and could understand it was a complete game changer. It, it honestly made all the difference. Because I could tell like my husband, what I was doing. And he was very supportive. Don't get me wrong. And like my sister, who's also my best friend and like, they're very supportive. But if somebody has not really been through this, if they don't have the same sort of mindset around like their diet and their exercise, you know, that same sort of rigidity or, you know, lifestyle, it can be really hard for people to kind of like wrap their heads around what you're going through, especially because, from the outside, it looked like, oh, you have a lot of willpower. You you take care of yourself. Like, you're great. I wish I was like you. And internally, you're like, oh, no, I'm all messed up. Like, this is, there's, there's stuff going on. And I am, like, very anxious and, like, cannot veer from this. And to be able to share the fears that you have and the struggles that you have and have people reflect back, like, oh, yeah, I feel the exact same way. Or even to share like, you know what, this helped me get through this. And even just somewhere to celebrate your wins. Because again, like telling somebody, I ate pizza and cake at a birthday party is like, to them, it's like, yeah, of course you did. Like, that's what you do at birthday parties. But like to share it with this group of women, like celebrate your wins. It's like, oh my God, that's huge. I haven't had pizza in so long. Or like, you know, I ate a piece of cake and I didn't like feel like I needed to share it with somebody or like just take a taste of my husband's cake, which is what I used to do. It's like celebrating those wins and having like the echo back, but also the accountability and just like, I don't know, just having people who kind of got it, like that safe space where you can just like really be free about what you're going through. Yeah, while the rest of the world is caught up in the exact opposite of, you know, eating, they're eating less and they're moving more. So it is a very safe place to have a community of women going through the same exact thing, no matter like what your issue you're dealing with. Um, I'm a huge fan of group support. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Julia. Um, so we kind of went off the beaten path a little bit with the story. So You found me on Instagram and decided to work with me and then, you know, kind of take us into not so much, you know, of what, you know, working with me, like the guidelines I gave you, but how, what was your like a flip of your switch or kind of like, I'm trying to think of a good term for it. Uh, You're like, nope, I'm doing this. I'm eating enough. I'm resting enough. What was that? I know your end goal was pregnancy. But what 
what was your motivator? What was your, you know, like, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, well, yeah, you're right. Like my, my end goal was pregnancy. Like my husband and I decided we were going to start trying to conceive and then kind of got flipped upside down when I wasn't able to, like, I really thought it was going to be like, bing, bang, boom, like, let's, let's do this. So that was sort of my like main why, like my motivating factor. However, I also like, even before I started the recovery, like I didn't want to change my lifestyle so much because that's what I did every day, you know, like that was my whole world. But I also, I was kind of resentful of it, you know, like I, I didn't like that I had to work out so intensely every single day and that I had to be so careful about what I ate because it seemed like you watch other people and it's like, "Ah, I kind of wish I could just eat whatever I wanted, but that's not who I am. Like, that's not me. I am this fit, healthy person and that's how everybody sees me and that is my identity and that is like who I am and who I have been for years and like, don't question it. But feeling sort of that resentment, it was like, well, maybe this is like, this is an opportunity to sort of break free from that. And it was, but it was still terrifying. You know, I was still afraid of like, well, then who am I? And what, what am I doing? And like, if I'm not the person who exercises every day, if I'm not the person who knows what the healthiest options on the menu are, or like has all these healthy meals in her back pocket, like, who am I? And so sort of the motivator to, I guess, reconnect with myself with that aside, find other parts of my identity, you know, and just kind of be able to enjoy life in a different way. And it's honestly, once, once you start doing it, like it's, it's definitely scary. But again, I I think back to like my first day of recovery. And I I thought about pizza and cake because it was, it was my father-in-law's birthday party. I went, I ate pizza and wings and cake. And I was just like, oh, like I can just do this. You know, like this doesn't have to be so scary. And I'm still alive. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't like day one, I instantly flipped a switch and was like, totally fine. It was not like that. But like, you sort of have this realization, like I, I can live this way and it'll be okay. Like other people do it. I can do it. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that, Julia. And so I want to know what you talked a little bit about fear. What is losing your identity the biggest fear in period recovery? Or was it weight gain? Or was it both? What was your biggest fear? And could you share some of the questions that like went through your head during this time? Sure. I would say yes, going into it, like, losing my identity and just like changing my entire life really like that was my biggest fear and i know that's like a big fear but really like nearly 100% of the time like i was thinking about food and exercise i was planning workouts i was planning meals i was counting calories i was researching menus you know like all of the time and so it was scary to think like what what is my life even going to look like if I'm not doing this? Like, it's, this is who I am. And I was not going into it. I was not totally afraid of weight gain. Um, 
part of me kind of wanted to gain some weight, but again, like we always want to spot check. I was like, I would like to be like, you know, gain weight in some areas and then lose weight in other areas of my body, which like, you know, is not realistic or possible. However, I will say once it started happening, like the first time you try to put on your favorite pair of pants and they don't fit anymore, that fear gets really real. <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, now I'm afraid of weight gain. Going into it, it wasn't so much the fear because I was like, I, I accept that I have to do this. But like once it starts happening, you're like, oh my God, this is really happening. <laughs> this is like, I'm going to have to get a whole new wardrobe. So that fear did come along, but it wasn't my initial fear. My initial fear was like, just having to like flip my whole world upside down. And yeah, honestly, along with sort of losing that identity, also sort of explaining to people like weight gain is something that you can see. And in my in my um, experience, and I know this isn't the same for everybody, but people had known that I wanted to have a baby. They knew that we were trying. They did not know that I was having this fertility problem because I... I was kind of afraid to explain it to people. Like, again, a lot of women who have HA are perfectionists and I am that person. And so having to like try to explain to people, I'm having this problem. It, it's a, it, that was a scary thing. Like, am I going to have to like tell people that my healthy lifestyle is not healthy and that I can't conceive and that I am putting on weight, not because I'm pregnant, but because I am desperately trying to regain like a healthy menstrual cycle and sort of that fear of having to confront it and be open with other people about it when I really just wanted to, again, I, I like to deal with things myself. I kind of wanted to like have this internal bubble where I could just fix it, but like having to be vulnerable and sort of be open about it was, was the other fear. Oh yeah. Uh, and I scary. think Julia. Starting recovery is real it, scary. It is, it is very scary. It is very scary. Um, but that fear eventually starts to lessen and lessen and lessen more. And we'll kind of talk about that. But I wanted to ask you, you know, the identity piece, like sometimes it's, it's the fear of waking that trumps. And I think for a lot of us, we have this identity that we can't even fathom or think there is another us out there. And which makes it hard because if you're going into period recovery with a mentality is like, okay, well, I just need to like gain some weight, get my period back, and then I can go back to the way I was. And I know that it feels safe to go back to the way you were, but chances are if you have that mentality that it's going to be really, um, you're going to lose your period again for the most part, <laughs> you know, and you're going to be struggling with constant food thoughts, body fears, exercise fears, you know, the whole nine for the rest of your life. So the identity piece, you know, if you're you're kind of can't fathom yourself like not being the fit girl, know that you there is another you in there and there is also could be another fit you there with a healthy menstrual cycle. And you can, you know, pick which way you want to go. I've had clients that have, you know, gotten healthy periods back and got back into marathon running, rock climbing like um back into their their profession for you know, being an athlete. Uh, then I've had other women to say, you know what? I like crushed myself for so many years with constant exercise. Like I need like a long break. Um, and they've either 
continued to have a long break from exercise or they had a long break, then they started get, getting back into exercise. And that's more of my story, but we're not talking about me here. So I just want to kind of put that out there with, you know, the identity piece that don't be, you know, it's easier said than done. Don't be afraid of it. Um, and I'm going to ask Julia in a second, how did you work through that identity piece? Like what made you kind of realize like, okay, maybe there is a Julia outside of constant dieting and exercising. Sure. And yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, I do want to say like, I think the first thing is for people who are like, well, I, I really like exercise, like being honest with yourself about like, is this something you're really enjoying? Or is this something you're feeling obligated to do? Like, and being honest about yourself with that before like, starting to like really go back into exercise because you're right like there can be a different still fit version of you that isn't just completely obsessed and is like your entire life but yeah working through the identity piece it was again I think some of it was having the the space to just talk with other women and just like have a a time to to chat about different things that you were doing like how are you spending your time if you're not exercising all the time like what are you doing um tapping into different hobbies maybe things that you used to do I had been starting cross stitch and I had taught myself well not taught myself I got a lesson and then I continued to sort of teach myself how to crochet and during COVID like cross stitch was my like quarantine activity so I started focusing a little bit more on that and just like it was kind of relaxing too because I find crochet and cross stitch relaxing because you're working with your hands but you're not like so mentally focused it's kind of like repetitive pattern so I was like okay well I can make things you know I can make things with my hands and really like tuning into other things that I enjoyed like um, I know earlier you said outdoor enthusiast and that's absolutely still true like I love hiking and I love you know, taking my bike out and going for walks. Um, and I sort of realized that when I was in recovery, I can enjoy those things without tracking how many steps I'm taking or tracking if my heart rate is getting up and realizing like, okay, this, this is truly something I enjoy. And this is part of who I am without the exercise piece of it. You know, like I really like being outside and now I can tune into like how the grass smells and how the birds sound and like, the things around me rather than just focusing on am I power walking enough like you know can I slow down and spending time with other people like I really tried to you know spend more time with my husband and my family and my friends and realizing like these people are still here like this is still my life and I can be more present with them rather than spending time with them but thinking about what are we going to eat where are we going to go what am I going to order um how much do I have to exercise beforehand like all like these people are in my life for a reason you know there is more to me than that and that sort of just it starts to come out more and more the more space and time you have to dedicate to that and then you start to see the positive outcomes of it, maybe people noticing like, oh my gosh, Julia, you seem so much more relaxed or wow, you're staying out a little extra late tonight. Um, you know, whatever it may be, partners included, like, oh my gosh, my partner's not driving me so crazy anymore. And is as supportive as 
I would say majority of my clients have extremely supportive partners, but you know, it's still driving them crazy. And, you know, I, I was one of those women too. So I don't want to say like, you know, we, we can't help it. Right. When we're, when we're in it, but then after we come out of it, we can see how much it has improved and fostered so many of our relationships with our friends and our loved ones, which absolutely. is so, so cool. I think back sometimes to like, when my husband and I first started dating many years ago, I think he just like brought over Chinese takeout just like to bring me dinner. And I like started crying because I was like, I can't eat this. And it was like, how, like I was nuts. Like, how did I live like that? And how did he like, bless his heart. He like stayed with me. I was like, I was crazy around food. And now we can just like eat cheeseburgers like yesterday we we grilled you know and it's like yeah now i could have like a burger and a hot dog and we could just enjoy it and not think about it yeah it's it's, just... it's amazing so once you start seeing that's when it starts to become a a little bit easier is once you start to see these positive outcomes and also some tangible outcomes maybe like increased cervical mucus where you know you're progressing with period recovery so those are the things that is going to get you through the scary parts and then also to having a community and i cannot I cannot emphasize it enough. And I'm not saying it's because of what I do, um, but I'm talking about any big struggle that you're in to have some type of a support system that is going through the same thing um, is just, it's instrumental. There are studies out there that show how beneficial it is. We know you likely got your period back from eating more and resting more, but what was like a, a I guess a couple tips, I don't want to say for others, but that you felt like really helped contribute to you eating uh, enough for your body and resting enough for your body. Sure. Um, well, the biggest thing for me was that I committed myself to stopping tracking. Like that was a huge thing for me was constantly counting calories in calories out. Like, so I, and I know some women, I think when they go through recovery, they want to count calories just to make sure they're eating enough, like that they're eating more. Um, I knew that that would not work for me. And again, I was in your group. So I had brought you, I think, food logs and, you know, you could look at what I was eating and kind of assure me like, yeah, this is, this is good. These are good period recovery foods. This is likely enough. So I was like, I need to like, if I tried to start calculating my head, I had to stop myself. I broke up with my Fitbit, which was the other huge thing. Like, oh my God. I, I have no idea where it is now, and I, I'm glad. Like, I've, <laughs> I have not seen it in over a year. I don't know where it is, whatever. But, yeah, deleted the app, stopped wearing it because that was the other, like, it was a major trigger for me to, like, constantly be counting my steps and looking at my heart rate and just, like, always tracking that. So I really committed myself to stopping tracking and trying to just tune in more to, like, okay, I need to eat, like, and I won't say like, it wasn't like immediately like, am I hungry or am I not? Because I was a little bit more structured, you know, like making sure I was eating every couple of hours and like being mindful of what I was eating, but not counting um, anything like that. I stopped. You're right. I, I ate more and I rested more. But prior when I was deep in HA, I was doing intense hit workouts every morning, fasted, no rest days. <laughs> All of that got completely stopped. I did continue to walk and I did gentle yoga sometimes because those things were just, again, being outside and doing that was good for my mental health. So I did continue to do that, but it was nothing, nothing intense. And it was nothing like if I ever caught myself thinking like I have to do this, 
then it was out. But it was always just, you know, because I wanted to for my mental health. So those were like the two sort of active things I continued to do. And honestly, just like challenged myself to let go of food rules and like embrace fear foods. That was huge for my recovery because I remember even trying to explain to somebody early on like what I was doing and like how I needed to eat more and put on some weight. And they're like, so you're eating what, like more avocados and hummus. And I was like, no, I'm eating like ice cream and pizza and burgers and chips. Um, And they were like, oh, that's like kind of taken aback. Like doesn't sound very healthy. And I'm like, yeah, but this is like the biggest thing for me is to like, realize that all foods fit and so that was those are probably the biggest things as far as what helped me to get my period back and thank you for sharing about specific foods too because i think you know uh, some will say well you know i don't want to become unhealthy in pursuit of period recovery and just eat pizza chip cakes you know pies and donuts and whatever do you still eat like that often or is it kind of like eh, how, how, whenever I feel like it yeah exactly so it yeah. is it is not because again yeah I again I had those thoughts during recovery like I am going to keep gaining weight forever I am going to eat nothing but you know quote-unquote junk food you know or whatever unhealthy food because I like, and I've always had a sweet tooth. So in my mind, it was like, oh my God, I'm going to eat all of the desserts all the time. But no, like now I, yes, I can eat those things, but I am just much more mindful of what I want in the moment. I don't eat them constantly. I still eat vegetables. I still eat fruits, <laughs> but I also eat pasta and burgers and snacks and just whatever sounds good and feels like it's going to satisfy me in the moment. And honestly, having a newborn baby, like I don't have time to really think about my, what I'm eating. So, so honestly, it's like eating whatever is convenient in the moment, whatever is quick um, or whatever somebody has dropped off for me, which I, I think I told you this before, you know, recovery really prepared me for like pregnancy because I I was very nauseous when I was pregnant. And so I could only eat certain things because other things would just like turn my stomach. So it was like, there was a, a while when I could only eat like Mighty Taco, which is a local like fast food taco chain in my area and Cheetos. And it's like, if I was still in the same mindset I was before recovery, I wouldn't have eaten those. Like, I don't know what I would have done because everything. And I, my biggest um, aversion was water, which is outrageous but so like for a few months I couldn't drink water I had to drink like Gatorade and lemonade which again when you're deep in HA one of the cardinal rules is don't drink your calories but I was okay doing this knowing that it was temporary and knowing that it wouldn't hurt me and that fueling myself was better than nothing even postpartum it's like somebody drops off a meal to me like yeah that's what I'm gonna eat I don't care what's in it like I just need to survive and fuel myself and so if anyone is listening, wanting to get pregnant and thinking that like you can go back to eating totally healthy, like I'm here to tell you recovery like prepares you for pregnancy and postpartum in a different way. Absolutely. And that's a really uh, great place where I wanted to kind of lead into, Julia, is that, 
you know, your main goal when you, you know, found out what was going on with you was to get your cycle back and to eventually conceive. So you joined me, you got your period back in, was it, how long was it? Was it eight weeks? Was it a little longer? It was a little more. I, I think it was like two and a half months it took. Okay. And so then you got a period. Mm-hmm. What was your motivating factor to continue? You know, was it the happiest day? Can you, can you just share like the, do you remember the day that you got your first, well, not your first period, but your first recovery period? Did you, is that something you want to share? Cause it is so exciting. I still remember sure. mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. See, it's funny that you can remember it after all this time. Yeah, I remember I was at work and I remember feeling sort of like a heavy like pressure in my pelvic area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I feel like sort of heavy, sort of bloated. But again, during recovery, like your body goes through a lot of stuff. So I wasn't really thinking, you know, too much about it. But I did sort of in my mind, I was like, this is sort of how I used to feel when I, you know, when I got a period. Um. But also, I would say during recovery, side note, I had a few follicular waves, which is basically your body's gearing up to ovulate, but not quite getting there. So I got a, a few like, I don't know, like, like tricks, like false starts in during recovery. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is just another like wave, another thing. Um, and I went to the bathroom and lo and behold, my period was there and I like gasped and like started laughing to myself because I was so happy, like in the bathroom at work. It's, it's so silly. Um, and immediately I texted my husband, I texted my sister and I jumped on the Facebook group to tell you guys <laughs> that I had gotten my period because I was so excited. It is beyond like, that's probably the, we'll just say like top three most exciting times in your life, probably aside from maybe getting proposed to and then finding out you're pregnant. Um, So yeah, that is amazing. And, you know, I know you guys can't see my face, but I am just smiling ear to ear because, you know, to be able to relate and (laughs) to see how exciting that really is, especially when you worked so damn hard to get it. But it's hard because you know what? I I like to say period recovery is often like um, going to college or university, but not knowing when you're going to graduate, right? So if someone said, all right, here's the curriculum, because I pretty much lay out like a sort of curriculum or framework for you in the period recovery uh, coaching. But I am so sorry. I can give you like a rough estimate of when maybe your period might return, but I cannot tell you when. Like, and so. <laughs> And and the thing is, imagine going to college and someone saying, all right, here's all the classes you have to take, but so sorry, I'm not going to be able to tell you when you can graduate. What a mind F yeah. that would be. And Damn, it is- You see all the students around you graduating at different times and you're like, well, how yes. come they're graduating now? And how come they're graduating What did now? they do to graduate? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, a very exciting time. And um, you know that, that unknown time of if it's going to work, there's science out there. If you give your body enough food, you give your body enough rest, you are going to get your period back. Um, so with all that being said, Julia, we talked about kind of, you know, a little bit of fears, what you did to get your period back. And then so you got your period back. And then what made you say want to continue on receiving, you know, support 
um, to, you know, continue your period recovery journey because you met, you met your goal of a period, but what made you say, all right, I feel like I need a little bit longer in this like recovery community. What made you stay or continue on? Yeah. So like I said, it took about like two and a half months from joining the period recovery program. It did happen. I did recover my period like within the time frame. But then there's always the question of, okay, well, what, what comes next? Like, am I going to get a period again? Am I going to like, is this going to continue? How long is it going to take? And I mean, I've said it so many times already, like, having the support of the group, even just to get this far was so helpful. I wasn't really ready to let it go. I was not completely confident that I could do it on my own just yet. Because it was, again, it was just my my first cycle, it finally came back and I could see like this works. I know that this works. But wanting to really like, okay, but I've got to keep at it now. I don't want to let myself slide back now, like, you know, see a success and kind of slide back into old patterns. Or, um, you know, just I didn't want to, I wanted to keep the success going. All right. So you got your period back, Julia, and you met your goal, right? And I know you still wanted to conceive, but you met your goal of a period. What made you want to like continue on the period recovery journey? Sure. Like I said, it it took probably about like two and a half months. Um, I did get my period during the time I was in the, you know, period recovery group. But after your first period, the question is always, what comes next? Am I going to get a period again? Am I going to have a regular cycle? Is it, you know, when is it going to come back? You know, is it going to be in a month, in several months? Like, just sort of the unknowns. And I. I really benefit, like I said a a bunch of times during this podcast, from having that group atmosphere. And so I didn't feel totally ready to let that go yet. I still felt like I was working toward it. Yes, I got my period, but I didn't feel like I was completely recovered yet. Like I, I still wanted to have that support to continue um, until I at least had a few more cycles. You know, just. I didn't want to think like, oh, I got my one period and then, you know, I got this, I'm good, and then end up sliding sort of back into old habits. I really wanted to be able to incorporate like all of the stuff that I was learning and all of this new lifestyle and sort of grow more into being more intuitive about how how I was eating rather than being so structured and intentional about eating more. Um, How can I be more intuitive? How can I, you know, sort of incorporate this more into my day-to-day life rather than being so focused on just recovery. Because that is true. Like for a few months, it's like, okay, all I'm thinking about now is just like recovering this. And now I have this. So how do I make this sort of into my day-to-day life? And I liked having, you know, support from you and support from the other women. So I was like, yeah, I want to continue into the maintain my period group just to make sure that like, I am really making long lasting changes. And thank you for sharing that, Julia, because I think, you know, that, like you said, you're doing one thing for period recovery. It's very structured, right? And so how do you start to pull back? Because I would say all of my clients, they are so awesome at period recovery. They're perfectionists. Like 
you give them, you know, this is what you need to do. And then, you know, we'll do it. But how do we start to uncover the flexibility of being intuitive, being intuitive with movement, but also while making sure we're getting regular healthy cycles? Um, so I think that's always a benefit because if you think about it for, we'll just say most of us have been at this, you know, uh, mindset of health, quote unquote, health means being thin, exercising every day, eating lots of fruits and vegetables that was with us for so many years. And then we join, you know, a program or we do period recovery, you know, for six weeks, 12 weeks. And in the grand scheme of things, it's such a short component of time to make your long lasting changes to help you feel fully relaxed around food, around exercise and get and maintain regular cycles. Or in your case, also conceive a little baby girl. So tell us a little bit about, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Aside from having a little baby, how else has your health slash you know, I, I want to say life improved because I know I know it has because I'm going to ask you one last question. But how did you find your health improved aside from pregnancy? You know, did you have better bone scans? Uh, is your heart rate different? Are you do you not pee 24 seven? All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah. My bladder function, like, I don't know if that's TMI for people, but if you have HA, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you're listening, like, peeing constantly i used to pee all the time like and i could not hold it like i had no like like i just if i had to go i had to go immediately that went away i was like oh my god like is this what normal people pee like like i don't always have to be like (laughs) near a bathroom like i don't have to worry about that i I, if i'm outside like on a hike or something i don't have to worry about like where i'm gonna pee um and it's funny because as we know i i was pregnant and the whole People, people think about like being pregnant and having to pee all the time. Peeing during pregnancy was nothing compared to peeing during HA. Like it was a cakewalk, honestly, because HA, it was, it was so much worse. So not having to pee all the time, not being cold all the time, like having a regular like body temperature regulation is insane. I don't have to constantly worry that like my fingers and toes are going to be numb. I can enjoy like being outdoors. And I mean, you and I both live in like upstate New York where we have really cold winters. Um, but I can kind of, I mean, I don't love the cold. I prefer the summertime, but I can go like snowshoeing or ice skating now and not worry about like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, I can make it a little bit more enjoyable now. Um, cause I'm not constantly freezing even when it's technically warm outside. Um, you know, I can go swimming in the summer and not worry like, oh my God, the, the water is going to make me like completely freeze. So those are the two probably biggest things like physically, you know, in addition to fertility, um, but the mental health aspect too, like so much more mental space. Like there's so much other stuff to think about besides food and exercise. And especially, yeah, I mean, now having a kid, like I need to focus all of my all of my mental space on taking care of her. Like I don't have time to think about food and exercise, but like just being less anxious around things. Like I do have underlying anxiety, you know, related to other things and it's still, you know, it's still a factor and something that I work on, but it's not triggered anymore by food and exercise. So, it's more manageable. You know, like I know that that's one thing that has improved in my mental health. 
So those are probably the biggest things. And I'm sure that there's even more ways that I'm not even thinking about, but. So many benefits. I know. And in the mental health aspect is just uh, sometimes like indescribable. And I mean, I'm however many years out of recovery and I, I still pinch myself. I'm like, huh. This is so nice. I don't have to worry about, you know, X, Y, and Z or what I'm eating and stuff like that, that I could enjoy the moments, especially with my kids. And you'll find when your daughter gets older, like yesterday we went to the movies and before we went to the movies, we went to Target and we picked out some candy and then we had the buttery popcorn. And now we don't go to the movies often, but you better believe I'm going to do the movies right. And, you know, to not feel the guilt or have to worry about it, I can't imagine how much that would be taking from my kids. And, you know, if you're listening to this now and you're a mom, to know that whatever you're going through, you know, as far as feeling anxious around food, around your body, it is it is not your fault. Those thoughts have been given to you. But now if you're listening, you can be able to choose something different. You can choose that you want to now live your life with freedom from exercise and food. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, stop all exercise and eat every single thing that you can imagine, but like to be relaxed around it so you can focus on things that are meaningful in your life. Because, you know, life is short and um, life is precious. And why not spend it on things, you know, your mental space on things that really matter versus counting calories in your head or steps and stuff like that. But we've all been there, myself, Julia, so many others that I know, and know that there is another way. Um, you just have to be willing to want to you know, do that for yourself, for yourself. Last thing I want to ask you is, and I ask all of my guests this, is how are you living now? Because not only did you get a period back, but you got your life back. How are you living now, Julia? And it could you could share the most amazing things or you could you can share crazy things. I mean all of it. Like obviously the most amazing thing is now I, I have a daughter. So I'm, you know, and like you said, I'm still on maternity leave, so I'm spending all of my time with her, which is just, you know, all sorts of wonderful and crazy and like overwhelming and exciting and fulfilling it's just beautiful so i and i mean i know i've got just her on my mind um and also just thinking about i mean i like how you shared with your kids because i want to be a good example for her too i don't want her to feel like she needs to change her body or think about you know how she looks all the time or um, fall into these same patterns. So, you know, I've, I've always got that in the back of my mind to continue on with my, not recovery, because I, I consider myself recovered, but, you know, to consider on, to not slide back, I guess. But as far as like littler things, I'm like 12 weeks postpartum now, and I'm starting to, you know, exercise a little bit more, take time for myself been doing postpartum yoga again for mental and physical health, some Pilates. Um, I went to my first spin class in a year and a half <laughs> this past weekend with a friend because I do, I, I love spinning. I, you know, it's just something that I always thought was fun, but it was very intense. And I, you know, stopped doing it once I started recovery, which was 
almost two years ago at this point, year and a half. But I, you know, finally felt like I could go to another class and I had a blast and I fueled so much that day. <laughs> I ate so much um, just to make sure that I was fueling myself. But I was able to do it. And then the next day took a complete rest day, which I'm also able to do now. Like if I have a bad night's sleep with the baby, I can just like take naps now, rest when I want to. Like, you know, I don't feel the the pressure to need to exercise you know i know postpartum a lot of women have the need to lose a baby weight i don't i'm not worried about that i'm not thinking about that you know like i was saying kind of before people have been giving us you know dropping off food or giving us doordash you know while we're here taking care of the baby and so i'm just eating whatever sounds good you know and just really enjoying trying to enjoy these you know early few weeks I've got on maternity leave with my daughter and my husband. And this weekend, I'm going to my niece's birthday party, and I'm going to have pizza and cake. Amazing, Julia. So amazing. And just what a like weight off your shoulders to being a new mom. I mean, being a new mom in general is it's new and it's crazy. Like everyone could tell you what to expect, but until you're you're in it, it's just a whole different ballgame. Um, but to not have that mental space be taken up from food, you know, working out, fitting into my pre-pregnancy genes, et cetera, it is such a relief. Julia, I really appreciate you taking, you know, this hour or so of time uh, to chat here with me and be able to share your story and inspiration to other women across the world. So thank you so very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, Schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.